We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, Rob Doster here, and you are listening to a Field of 68 NBA Draft Prospect Profile. We're going to be rolling these out all month, leading up to a full first round live mock draft with the six NBA draft experts that we're going to be hosting one week before the actual draft itself takes place. While you're here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a rating and a review, that stuff really does help us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on any of the platforms that you listen to the audio of this show. But listen, that's enough of that. That's enough of the promos. Let's get into today's prospect profile. We are back. It's another episode of the Field of 68's 2023 NBA Draft Prospect Profiles. My name is Greg Waddell. He's Rob Doster. And we are talking Noah Clowney, Alabama forward, 6'10", 210 pounds, 10 points a game, 8 rebounds, 1 assist. He is a shooter, Rob. 28% on 3 attempts per game from 3, 65% from free throw, less than 1 block per game. But, Rob, you love this. He's one of the youngest players in this draft. He turns 19 on the night of the NBA draft. Do you love Noah Clowney? Um, I love the the theory of Noah Clowney, and that's basically what you're drafting is what, what you're drafting is what he can be in theory, right? He is a guy that is six foot ten with a seven foot three wingspan. He is a guy that is a uh, I don't want to say very good, but he is a a good rim protector that is a really good athlete that has shown flashes of being able to guard on the perimeter, being able to stay in front of point guards in switching situations. He is a guy that has a stroke that looks good enough. Um, It didn't go in quite as much as as, uh, you would want it to, but he's a guy that, in theory, can be a shooter. And when you look at the archetype of what NBA teams want in terms of role players, they want guys that are 6'10", with length, that can make threes, that can guard three, four, maybe even five different positions. And I think down the line, that is what you're betting on Noah Clowney to be, right? The name that immediately pops to me for what this archetype is, is Jaron Jackson, right? Now, I, look, I'm not, oh. saying, I'm not saying Noah Clowney is going to be Jaron Jackson. That's not the comparison that I'm making. But those are the players that NBA teams are looking for. Noah Clowney can be something in that archetype, something in the range of a Jeremy Grant if everything comes together for him. A guy that can guard different positions. You can have him be a small ball five if you need him to. He can be a floor spacer uh, as a three-point shooter, and he can be a floor spacer as a lob target in the dunker spot. Um, He is a guy that had a couple of possessions last year 
where he did some really, really impressive things in terms of being able to switch out on the perimeter, stay in front of guards, stay in front of wings. Uh, He had some impressive blocks, some chase down blocks. He had some situations where he rotated over and protected the rim. He blocked a couple dunks, one against the uh, Auburn um, at home really stood out to me. So um, in theory, in terms of what Noah Clowney can be four years down the road, That is why I think that he's a guy that uh, is going to end up being picked somewhere in that 25 to 35 range. What he is right now in this moment is a, uh, a decent college basketball player that if he came back to Alabama, I don't think would be an all sec player next season. You're this is all long-term potential for him. You're drafting because you're drafting him because in three years you could see him being a, a very valuable role-playing piece for one of the most uh, important and high-leverage positions that you can find in the NBA right now. I think that is just as simple as that. Yeah, I get that. I mean, it makes sense. He's so young, right? Like, he's obviously not a finished product. He's not going to be a finished product for probably like six, seven years, let alone Mm -hmm. two, three. So if you are a team that has the luxury of essentially drafting a guy that you can expect potentially zero minutes from next year, if you're trying to win playoff games, then fine. Like it's a good lottery pick. It's a good long-term investment. I don't love the in theory guys. That's just a pool of players. I don't love. And Noah Clowney is like the prototypical in theory guy. Everything about his game is theoretical right now. He showed flashes of being a rim protector. He averaged less than one block a game. He showed flashes of being a shooter. He didn't shoot 30% from three. Didn't shoot 70% from free throw. Like, it's all it looks pretty like it, it, and part of that to me, especially with the shooting is because he played in a NATO system. Like even if he can't shoot, he's going to be told to stand in the corner and shoot. That's what Alabama wants you to do. And over half his shots were threes this year. Again, that's a NATO product. I, what does that look like in a totally different system in the NBA? Is he still going to shoot 55 percent of his shots from three and make 28% still like I just don't know that I see that there. I don't think well, he's let's great... let's be clear. He's not playing in an NBA game next season. He is a guy that you're drafting him and he's going to spend a year in the G League at minimum, maybe two. Right. Like yeah, not... may, maybe a whole career, though. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Well, that that's the thing about it is um, is he is very raw. Like the, he's also not a guy. He wasn't a McDonald's All-American. He was like a top 85 prospect, something like that. Coming out of college, like he wasn't, nobody had him as like a potential one and done coming out of high school. He didn't go to one of these powerhouse prep schools. Like he wasn't at IMG Academy. He played for his local high school in Spartanburg, South Carolina, right? He is a guy that I think is starting to learn one, how good he can be, and two, uh, what it takes to like have to play that role. Like I promise you that when he was playing high school basketball, like he wasn't switching out on ball screens. He wasn't being asked to guard guards. Like what you do with big guys when you are in high school basketball at that level, when you're not at like IMG Academy is you just kind of put them around like by the basket and say, block everything that comes near you. Right. That's, that's what he did defensively. So he's learning what it's going to take to have to do some of that. And uh, it was very clear to me that he was incredibly raw when you watch a lot of the tape from Alabama on the defensive end of the floor of the season. It was also very clear to me that when it was right, it was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Look at what this dude, that he's 6'10", 7'3", and moving like that and staying in front of him. So I, I get why you would want to invest 
some draft capital in him. Personally, if I'm an NBA organization and I'm picking in the late 20s, I'm not taking him with the first round. If I'm a playoff team, I'm not taking him with the first round pick because I'm going to lock in a guy that I know can contribute and help me win and get me from being like the conference finals exit to being a team that's going to get to the NBA finals. Like I need that. You need that extra 5% to be able to help you go win a, a championship. Um, I don't think that clown is going to be able to do that for like three years, but if you can get him in like the thirties and you can get him on and sign like a, a lot of these second round picks, you can get them on like a four year deal where two years are guaranteed. The third year is a team option or third year is partially guaranteed fourth year team option, something like that and pay him NBA minimum salary and then stick him in the G league and let him develop down there for one, two, three years and see what you got when he wakes up and he's 21 and he's put on 20 pounds and he's kind of figured out the stroke and he's learned some things defensively and you end up getting a Jeremy Grant out of it with a second round pick. Like, I think there's a ton of value in that and, and, and swinging for a home run there. Does that make sense? Yeah, you, it does. You can't microwave Noah Clowney. You can't put mm-hmm. him in for 45 seconds and pull him out and expect him to taste great. Right. You need to put him in the oven. He's a brisket, two, man. He's yeah, a brisket. Give him two hours. Let's put him on broils. See what happens. But I, I just think like up and down on his profile and in the film, like I, a lot of it just feels too good to be true to me. And I would feel a lot better about the gamble you're uh, or we're proposing right which isn't even a gamble like this dude he's 610 like all the measurables are there right it's all what could be it's all hypothetical so it's not a gamble to take a pick in the late 30s and spend it on Noah Clowney that's not a gamble that's a low risk move even if it doesn't work out who cares it's a second round pick but i would feel a lot better about doing that as an nba gm if he had one skill or one thing he does on the basketball court that I felt comfortable he would translate to the NBA level in a great or elite way. Like, I I don't know what that is. Like he's pretty well-rounded. He's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete. I, he's a hypothetical rim protector, not a productive one in college. He's a hypothetical shooter. He's not a playmaker. He's not a facility. Like the coolest thing about him that jumps out of film is his switchability. Like he, okay. He can guard the perimeter a little bit for how big he is, but even that there were some cracks in that. Like he got exposed by faster guards. Auburn specifically had one game where they just kept picking on him and putting mm-hmm. their, their fastest little guards on him and they were blowing by him. So like I'm all for, he has a lot he can do. I just don't know that there's one thing he already does. And I'd feel safer about it. If there was that one thing, I got to throw comps back at you here. You threw out Jaron Jackson, which I hate. That's no, it's not. That's not a comp. I'm talking, like that's what, no, I'm, I'm going to get this officially on the record. I am not oh. comparing Noah Clowney to Jaron Jackson. I'm saying that that is what the archetype is for what teams are looking for. That's a horrible archetype. But uh, the, <laughs> if there is somebody that archetype, Someone's going to draft him thinking maybe he's Jaron Jackson and he's going to be Deontay Davis, a different Michigan State 6'10 skinny <laughs> dude who's who's out of the league, who is supposed to be a shot blocker that can shoot. And in two years, he's out of the league. Uh, my actual comp I had written down before I just had to get petty <laughs> with you was uh, j- this is, I think, a, almost a best case scenario for Noel Clowney. Jeremy Sohan without the playmaking which is a huge part of Jeremy Sohan, but like he's just a frame dude that like is a physical body that can throw around and potentially be an all league defender. I had another one. I don't think the shot gets there ever. I just, I got got another one for you. Um, 
Which which of the McDaniels brothers was the one on the Timberwolves this year? Was it Jalen uh, or Jaden? Yes, I think it was Jalen, right? Which whichever one was on the Timberwolves that should have made an all defensive team. That's who that like that's I think what your your dream is for Noah Clowney, right? Someone who is a very very good versatile defensive weapon that's going to knock down an open three. Um, that's going to be on your second team. That's going to you know close out some games because of what you can get from him defensively, and it's probably not going to happen for two or three years. But I mean, you say there isn't an elite skill or a translatable skill. I just I think the fluidity, the versatility, and what he can be with a little bit of coaching and a little bit of development on his body is something where I just I understand people that are going to take a shot on him. I personally would not do it uh, with a first round pick. But I understand people that would take a shot at him, and I absolutely 100% see the upside. What's the highest mark he ever shoots from three for an NBA team in one season? 35.7%, assuming that he actually gets to an NBA team. The point seven, I love it. Uh, I'll, I'll take under 30. I'll take the under. Under 30. I don't, I don't buy the shot. I don't. All right. Uh, clearly, we are a little bit divided on Noah Clowney. Uh, if you want to see us be divided on more prospects, you can do that. We have 50 of these episodes leading up to the NBA draft. Check the description to see them all. And make sure you come back and watch our live mock draft. That's going to take place a week before the NBA draft takes place. For Rob Doster, I'm Greg Waddell. We'll see you next time. Ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. 
loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Field of 68 2023 NBA Draft Prospect Profiles. My name is Rob Dosser. I'm joined today by Terrence Oglesby, and we are going to be breaking down a kid that T.O. knows very, very well, none other than Tennessee's Julian Phillips, a six foot eight, 200 pound freshman that averaged 8.3 points, 4.7 boards, and 1.4 assists while shooting not very well from the floor, not very well from three, and 82% from the free throw line as a freshman at Tennessee. Uh, he was a guy that was a top 10 to 20 recruit coming out of high school. He is a guy that is currently looking at being picked somewhere in the early second round. Limited production, limited minutes as the season went on, but unlimited potential to you know this guy as well as anybody what do you make of julian phillips well i'm, I'm going to start with the positives one is uh thin frame but uh functionally strong he's much stronger than he looks right away he looks skinny like it doesn't matter he finds ways to get the ball up around a rim he really gets to the free throw line that's another thing that he does really well because he has a quick first step can get to spots now understanding space understanding when he can attack is going to be an adjustment at the NBA level. But that all being said, he didn't receive a whole hell of a lot of help at Tennessee with some of those things because they were so crammed in that nobody could really function anyway. I thought he should have been featured more because of his ability to create shots on his own. Tennessee didn't have that. He could have done that. And then they close out the season where he only plays 12 minutes and finishes with zero points on 0 for 2 shooting. He wasn't utilized correctly. He's a guy that's going to go to these draft uh invites to go work out for these teams he's going to shoot the cover off the ball because he has that ability and he's going to impress some people he's going to be one of these guys that let's not say anything because we want to scoop him up at the end of the first I, he has that kind of ability he's long arms if there's one thing he did prove at tennessee it's his ability to defend multiple positions and defend well multiple position really good length excellent athlete and can really cover some space now is he going to be this long-term pro where he's making all-star games? I'm not quite sure about that. But what I do think he can be, I think he can be a Corey Brewer-like player at his floor because he can really defend. He can be that guy you say, hey, go get him. And he can go ahead. And it's, going to, it's tough to guard NBA players. I get all that. But he has that lateral ability. He has the length. He has the athleticism to really defend. Uh, that's where his calling card is going to be early. I also think his three-point shooting percentages, they're going to be better at the NBA level because he's going to get better shots. That archaic offense they have at Tennessee really hurt him. And I think during these draft workouts, he's going to play well. So defensively, I'm with you. I'm buying him, the athleticism, the versatility, playing for one of the best defenses in college basketball last season is there. But to be able to survive in the NBA, if you are not uh, like a top five defender in the sport, like a PJ Tucker, you know, like somebody at that level, you got to have the three point part of it as well. Break down why you are so bullish on him as a shooter for a guy that shot 23% from three as a freshman, 41% from the floor as a freshman. To be fair, well, 82% yeah, from the free throw line that that tracks well on uh, four attempts per game, but he, he didn't show it there. You've known him. You've probably coached him on the shooting quite a bit. Why do you buy that jump shot? Well, it, it's there. It's in the pocket. And to be honest with you, when he's a bigger part of what you're doing and whenever that ball would swing around and he could at least touch it, 
he sh- he shoots the ball better. I, I think that's anybody. And because of the NBA of, of how it's so quick, move the ball, cut through, this guy touch it, move the ball again, like he's going to be able to flourish in that type of environment. There were times where he would go eight to ten minutes in Tennessee's basketball game where he wouldn't touch the basketball, let alone get a shot attempt. Mm-hmm. And he only took, what, 46 threes on the year, made 11? And whenever he was a key part of that offense, Tennessee flourished. Look at his performance at Battle for Atlantis. He made a, he, I think he was uh, tournament MVP or all in the all tournament team. Ends up with twenty five because against USC because he was a big part of what they were doing. You look at a game like Mississippi State. He goes six for twelve from the field, eleven rebounds, eighteen points. He was a key part of that offense. The bigger part of the offense he was, the better that Tennessee was, and the better that he ended up playing as long as. He got to just touch the ball. So, like, I, I when he played well is when he just felt like he was a part. When he played poorly is when he was stuck over there in a the corner, which was just crazy to me because he brings up so much versatility because he's such a team player. One of the only drawbacks about him, if you don't set him up to score, he's not somebody that's going to take it and be like, this ball's mine, get out of my way. Very good kid, very good player, very willing to move the ball. Not necessarily an all alpha dog mentality, which may hurt him, which may help him at the NBA level, depending on where he lands. Uh, great kid, great family, all that, this, that, and a third. He's going to interview well. Teams are going to like him. Uh, what's he going to be able to be defensively, and is he going to be able to shoot the ball well enough? Because he tracks well enough as a defensive player. Is he going to be able to hit that three? My bet is he can. Can he do some of the other things that NBA teams value, like create and do some of those things? It's possible. However, his frame is going to make it difficult. But functionally strong, great athlete, really good defender, and uh, if he can shoot the ball well, I like him moving forward. So one of the things that you mentioned there, his uh, the lack of an alpha dog mentality is something that that kind of concerns me as well, right? If he kind of got lost in the shuffle offensively for Tennessee, what will prevent him from getting lost in the shuffle offensively when you get to the next level? The ball moving. The ball moving in the pace of play that's needed. In the NBA, you can't play with with fast pace. Every, every NBA coach you talk to, pace, pace, pace. We want to play with pace. We want to get this moving. Well, you, you don't play with pace by dribbling the ball. You play, you play with pace by passing the ball by making decisions quickly, one dribble, two dribbles, coming off DHOs, making a decision there. Could he be a guy that's a good passer? He can be. Uh, when I say alpha dog mentality, if you put him in that spot, he will get you something. If you don't put him in that spot, uh, he's very willing to let the ball flow. That's something he needs to work on. But all the intangibles are there. He works hard. Uh, good rebounder, not a great one right now, needs to improve. But I think his defensive potential is what sets him apart. And I think when he gets these workouts, he's going to shoot the ball well. What do you see his ceiling as, as a pro? <sighs> I keep I keep going back and forth. I, I you know what? Like, like so for you mentioned Corey Brewer. So we'll just the the best seasons that he had. He averaged thirteen points a game, uh, four rebounds, three and a half assists. Was a guy that never really shot it well, 28% career three-point shooter, but he is someone that was a high-level starter. Um, for new a lot new of age teams. Corey Brewer, a guy who's going to shoot it a little bit better. And I, I know people think, well, he shot, what, 23%? Just the, the shots there. Corey's was a little mechanic. Arms were a little too close together. This, that, and a third. Julian's going to be able to shoot the ball. 
do you see him? Where, where would you draft him? If you are an NBA franchise, are you taking him in the late first? Are you taking him in the early second? Are you willing to invest a four year guaranteed deal in him as a player? Early twenties because of his defensive potential and what I've seen him do offensively. Now, a lot of people haven't been privy to what I've seen with him, but because of his ability to one, get to the free throw line, highly valued Two, I've seen his ability to shoot the ball at a higher level and be unselfish and be willing to be a part. I think early twenties is a good spot for that. And the fact that you're not going to have to worry about much defensively. I, I early twenties is where I would look at him seriously. Once you get past that, he becomes a value pick because he gets to that second round. You don't have a guaranteed deal. You could two-way him, and then you could just see how it goes in the G League, which I think he'll play well at that level too. But early 20s, you find a good spot for him, some good leadership, and then he finds himself as an offensive player at that level. There's some upside there. What kind of organization does he need to go to? Do you want him in a place where maybe like the the Thunder that's kind of up and coming a little bit, that's on the verge of – you know, breaking through that has a bunch of young talent. Do you want him on a place where he's got a bunch of veterans and uh, forceful personalities around him? Mm-hmm. Um, where where do, you, do you want him on a place where, you know, they're they're not in the playoff picture right now and he can come in and just get the reps and he doesn't have to worry about the pressure of, okay, if I'm not able to make this play, we might not make the playoffs. Anytime you talk about a player outside the lottery, you want a good fit for that individual player and so much is up in the air. So if you want them in with veterans, it, that that's that's a slippery slope because sometimes you'll get stuck behind those veterans for three or four years. And then you don't really have that, ch- that chance at that second contract, which everybody knows it's not the first one, it's the second one mm-hmm. in the NBA. Um, to be honest with you, from a mental perspective, I'm not worried about him. From his ability to be a professional, I'm not worried about him. He can go to Houston, uh, which everything we know can be in disarray with some of the guys they have on that team. Uh, I also think – you know, if you put him somewhere like a Golden State, he'll put his head down, he'll work, and he'll understand his role. He's a guy that that it, I'm not necessarily worried about the fit from his attitude. I'm not necessarily worried about the fit from his work ethic. I'm more worried about the fit for his opportunity, which, I mean, let's be honest, Rob, I think I've said that with all five guys we've talked about today. you got to find the right spot for what they need. And, well, it's like that for anybody, that. right? Like it, yeah. if you need to have the right role and a team that buys into – uh, buys into the ability that you have to be able to 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 play. You know what I mean? Like there's there's guys in Europe, right? There's probably when you want to talk about like NBA level players, there's probably four times as many NBA level players as there are NBA jobs available. So you what is it? Three hundred and fifty right something NBA jobs. What what's the, what's the number? Uh, it is fi- it's about five hundred when you include um, two ways. When you include the two ways, yeah. Okay, so here's what people don't understand, too. The last four guys or last six guys on an NBA bench, because what, they have 13 now? 14? So, like, the last six guys are very interchangeable with the top-level European players. Very interchangeable. It's just a matter of have you found that role and have you gotten that opportunity? And when I say they're interchangeable, that means from a skill perspective, they're very similar. It's just who's gotten that opportunity to stick, who's gotten that opportunity to be a leader, who's gotten that opportunity to get extra reps – on the floor, uh, that that's a big difference. You, somebody's trying to tell me Tyrese Rice couldn't have been an NBA player for a long time. They're wrong. Casey Rivers couldn't have been an NBA player if he were in the right situation. They're wrong. Like th- those were two guys that could have played in the NBA, but end up in Europe because of lack of opportunity and have great careers over there. You're trying to tell me they couldn't have been the last three or four guys on an NBA bench. You're just wrong. 
Mm-hmm. Well, listen, this has been another episode of the 2023 NBA Draft Prospect Profiles for the field of 68. That was Terrence Oglesby, who coached Julian Phillips, Tennessee freshman, uh, for a while when he was playing AU ball. If you want more profiles like this, make sure you check the links in the description below. And remember, a week before the NBA Draft, we will have the 2023 field of 68 expert mock draft. We will go through with six NBA Draft experts and make every single pick for every single Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.